0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Now, have you guys heard of the idea of your future self? Have you heard of this idea? Yep. So who you'd like to be in decades' time. Think about your future self. Uh, and the idea is have a conversation about your with your, your future self. So ask your future self ten questions and think about what those questions might be and, more importantly, what are the answers you'd like to hear back from your future self? Uh, it's the idea that every decision you make, everything you do in life contributes to your future now if you're a follower of Jesus you know that God is in control of that journey Uh, but it's true isn't it Uh, the decisions you make today tonight will actually impact tomorrow next week the week after the year after decades down the track here's where you are because of all these decisions and it's also the idea do something today that your future self will thank you for Now, expand that out a little bit. What do you reckon future Salt Church would say to us? Picture future Salt Church, gathering in 100 years' time. Uh, What do you reckon they would say about us? Uh, What do you reckon they would warn us of? What do you reckon they would encourage us in? What do you reckon, uh, what would they be saying about us? And what would they be thanking us for? Have you ever been part of um, or seen a church where you go, wow, that church looked on fire way, way back. Something went wrong and it's just no longer on fire. Uh, Or have you ever been part of a church or walked into a church building and thought to yourself, why did they do that? (laughs) I'm so cranky with them for doing that. Um, Think future salt. What would they say, what would they thank us for uh, as they look back? So we're part of, it's a very Christian idea, isn't it, to be part of that longer story, 2,000 years. Uh, we're part of a big journey. Uh, and tonight we're going to think about the future. Uh, and not just the next generation, but the next generation after that, and the next generation after that, our new home. Um, so come with me to Timothy we're in tonight. Um, second letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to Timothy. Uh, who's the Apostle Paul? Well, apostle just means sent one. He's the one sent with a message from Jesus. He's writing to Timothy, who is his friend, his apprentice, younger Timothy. Uh, And Timothy is just like us. He's not an apostle. Uh, He's just like us. And so Paul wants Timothy to get three really important things. And God wants us to get three really important things tonight. Um, So look at 2 Timothy, chapter 2. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So what's the first thing that Paul wants Timothy to get? It's grace. Uh, Paul says to, to Timothy, be strong in grace. Verse 1, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, and you get a real sense of what, is, what does he mean by grace when you go back to chapter 1. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, "Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me his prisoner; rather join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now appeared, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who's destroyed death" has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Uh, Another word for grace is kindness. Think kindness. Uh, Think something you don't deserve. Uh, What's Paul saying? Because of the immense kindness of God, you are saved. Uh, Because of the immense kindness of God, he's called you to live a holy life. Uh, It's not because of what something you've done. You couldn't earn this. This is extraordinary kindness from God. And what else has happened? Through the kindness of God who, that is in Jesus, through Jesus, he's destroyed death. You won't die because of the extraordinary kindness of God. Uh, it's not because you are great, it's not because you are lovable, it's because God is loving, because God is kind. It's not because you're gifted, it's not because God needs you, uh, it's because of the sheer kindness of God. God has shown incredible kindness to us, to save us, to choose us, to call us into this new life as Christians. Uh, you, you didn't earn it and you can't lose it. Now how awesome would it be if what characterised our church was this grace? Grace. That we are fully fixed on this, we are sold on this, we understand this, we get this. That we really know deeply that our sin doesn't destroy our relationship with God. Uh, It doesn't destroy his love for us. Uh, Our our obedience is is not the basis of God's love for us. Um, People that really, really believe what Paul said in Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's grace, isn't it? You can't earn it, you don't deserve it. Incredibly comforting. And that's the grace we need to keep comforting ourselves with and we need to keep comforting one another with too, isn't it? When we sin, there's grace. Uh, God loves you and he loved you before you sinned. How awesome would it be that if everyone, all of us, uh, sit deeply in that grace... Now think uh, with me tonight, as we think about the next generation, think about our kids at Salt. Uh, Imagine a kid at Salt growing up knowing you are loved and cherished by God, not because you're a good kid, but because God is a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, imagine, Imagine a kid growing up at Salt and having the freedom to grow, to learn, to fail to confess their sins, to know the security of being deeply loved by their Heavenly Father because of grace. How awesome would that be? Uh, imagine uh, us being the church that everyone goes, oh, that's the church that is so gripped by God's kindness. Um, they're so gripped by God's kindness they can admit their failings, So gripped by God's grace that they can confess their sins. In fact, we love to confess our sins because we're so securely assured of God's forgiveness. How awesome would that be? How awesome would it be that we are so captivated by God's kindness to us that we show kindness to others? Well, how awesome would it be that we are so gripped by the grace and the forgiveness that's come from God that we show big doses of grace and forgiveness to other people? That is massively powerful, isn't it? Uh, Imagine being that kind of church. (laughs) Because I really pray that we would never be the opposite church. What's the opposite church? I reckon the opposite church is a church that's driven by guilt... Driven by obligation, driven by duty. Think about those words. Now, it's not that those are bad things. Guilt guilt can be good, can't it? Guilt says to me, should I feel guilty about this? Yes, the answer is yes or no. If it's yes, I need to confess it and come before Jesus. If the answer is no, I shouldn't feel guilty and I should move on. Uh, So guilt can be really helpful. Duty, of course I have duty. I'm I'm on deck for my Captain Jesus. I have a, a duty to him. Uh, And I am obligated to obey, to love him, to take responsibility for others at work, at home, at church. It's just that we want grace to saturate all of those things, to completely transform the way I think about guilt and obligation and duty. We want to be people who are so overtaken by grace and the kindness of God, so, so smothered by, I am so deeply loved, we are so deeply loved, not because of who we are but because of who God is and so you think wow yeah it is my duty to love Jesus uh, but I want to love Jesus because he's called me to a to a holy life I want to confess my sins because of his extravagant kindness to me Uh, it gets us to think in a whole different way about my duty as a Christian doesn't it when I think about being swamped by the grace of God that's the kind of church we want to be, I pray that we are, and I'm sorry when we're not, uh, when when we're not like that. And I reckon you don't have to look too far though to see evidence of God's kindness to us here at Salt Church. Uh, uh, Whatever your journey's been, from right from the beginning to only recently, um, God has been with Salt Church and shown his kindness in a whole lot of ways along the way. Uh, The people the gifts, are uh, given us a place to meet, uh, new disciples, growing disciples, even as um, we, we heard tonight about the, the money that's been given towards new home already, that is a kindness from God. That is an amazing kindness from God. And so I want to challenge you tonight, do you, is that the way you think about God? Kind, generous, wanting to shower gifts on his children? Because if it is, it will affect your prayers. It will affect how you pray. I reckon it will even affect the kind of prayer you'd pray uh, for our new home. I reckon it should fill us with what what I call a godly optimism. A godly optimism. That the expectation that God loves to be generous, God loves to bless us, He loves to give us things that we don't deserve. And as we think about a new home, that's a God who would love to give us a home that we didn't think we could get. Um, He'd love to give us a home that we didn't trust him for, but he wanted to give it to us anyway. Here's another way I I think grace applies to our new home. It it helps us carry carry us through this season when we realise God loves us whether we give to the new home or not. Now that should be obvious, but I need to say that, don't I? I really hope you believe that uh, because some of us can, can, uh, can't can can't give anything at all. Uh, some of us, it's not just a matter of selling something. I don't have anything to sell. Uh, some of us can't give $20 or $10 a week. Uh, some of us, it's not about giving up an overseas holiday. You were never going on an overseas holiday because you can't afford an overseas holiday and that would be really unwise. Uh or maybe you're, you're just so new at salt and understandably you've, you feel um, uncomfortable and not in that relationship with salt to give. That kind of makes perfect sense. We're members of God's church because of the grace of God. We're not members because we buy our way in. We're not members because we give or we don't give. We're members because of Jesus and his kindness to us. So we need to say that. And, and can I just say, if you're in that situation where you think, I just... I'm not in a position to give. Uh, We've been talking about we're all in this together and I want to keep saying that uh, there are just other ways that you can be part of it. Uh, So I think that'll become clearer as we get closer to a property and whatnot in so many practical ways. But here's something you can do now is pray for your church at this point. Uh, Pray for those who are giving. uh, Pray for those who are considering giving. Uh, pray that we will get there and that God will provide that new home for us. Um, but can I say, if you're hard up against up a wall financially, if you're really struggling, it's actually us as a, fun, as a, as a church family that need to help you. And I don't want you to feel a sense of obligation or duty uh, because we want to be a people of grace. Um, that's what it means. Now, did you notice something weird about what Paul says to Timothy? He says, be strong in the grace. That seems like a contradiction, yeah? How can you be strong in something when isn't grace about accepting in weakness that you need help? How does that work? Uh, How can you be strong in the grace? Well, I think Paul's got in mind, God's grace is something that gives you strength. Uh, that if you get a big dose of God's grace, you'll be able to do things that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to do. Uh, I think that's what Paul means. Uh, Now, our world has all kinds of ways of defining strength. It's worth thinking about. Have you noticed this? That, uh, gee, he's a strong man or she's a strong woman. It's worth reflecting, what what do they mean by that? Uh, What does it mean to be strong? Um, Here's two ways it means to be strong. Uh, One is, real strength is the strength to forgive. And how do you get the strength to forgive? You need to be really strong in grace. Uh, Here's another way, real strength is generosity, the ability to give something away. How do you do that? Well, you need to be super strong in the grace that is in Christ, if you're going to be able to do that. And the next two things that God calls us to do are actually really hard things in this passage, really challenging things that require us to be really strong in grace. So listen carefully, look at the second thing. The second thing is in verse 2. It's to be a people who pass on grace to others. So be strong in the graces in Christ Jesus and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So that that idea of um, handing the gospel of grace, this message of grace in Jesus, on to others is absolutely central to 2 Timothy. See, Paul's about to come to the end of his life. Uh, Listen to the way Paul speaks about his life in chapter 4, verse 6. Flick over. Chapter 4, verse 6. He says, "'For I am already being poured out like a drink offering,' And the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. In fact, some would translate it in the present tense uh, from the original Greek words I am continuing to fight the good fight. Um, I am still running the race, even though I'm right at the end. I am still keeping the faith. Verse 8, now there is a store for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And by the way, not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. See how Paul talks about his life? He's so close to the end, he speaks um, so urgently. And what's to Timothy about? What's his biggest concern? Who's going to make disciples after I'm gone? Who's coming behind me? Who's the next generation to pass on the gospel of grace? That's his big concern. So he says to Timothy in chapter 1 verse 8, come and suffer with me. He says in verse 13, when you, what you've heard to, from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 1, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And then here in chapter 4, earlier, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word in season and and out. Why? Because this gospel is precious. This gospel is life for all who trust it. You see how big it is? It is really, really big that we pass this gospel of grace on. Uh, Can you imagine uh, the cure one day for cancer? Can you imagine having in the bottle, in the vaccine, the thing that inoculates everyone from cancer? Can you imagine what an amazing day that would be? And when we get that, uh, that is going to be highly protected, isn't it? Uh, We're not going to let anyone near that to mess with that It's super precious, we're going to say don't change it, administer it, hand it out, faithfully give it to the next generation, this is a matter of life and death and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying from his deathbed, come forward Timothy, Um, join in, be the next generation that preaches this gospel of grace to the next generation. And it's not even just Timothy that Paul's talking about, is it? He's talking about four generations down the line. Look at verse 2 again. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. See, who who is the first generation? Paul's the first generation. He's teaching Timothy. Who's the second generation? It's Timothy. He he hears. He receives the teaching from Paul. Paul. He passes it on to reliable people, that's the third generation, and these reliable people are there to teach others, that's the fourth generation. And so that's the thing about us as followers of Jesus, we're not just interested in preaching the gospel to our generation, to one another, Uh, we're actually thinking three and four generations down the line. And That is so much more important than a new home, than a building, than 275, isn't it? That people keep hearing the gospel of grace because we already know that 275 is coming down. It's going to be bulldozed. Um, And uh, what will happen when we eventually get our new home, one day that will be bulldozed if the Lord Jesus doesn't return. But what's important is that the the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation... And on and on it goes, here's the gospel of grace. It's all about people into eternity, isn't it? And so we we actually need to be thinking about making decisions, not just for us in our generation, but for the generations to come. We actually need to be thinking about what would be good for the third and fourth and fifth and sixth generation. Now, I want you to think tonight about your children. How weird is that? Uh, some of you may never get married. You may not, not even be thinking about that. But imagine your kids and your grandkids receiving the gospel of grace. Imagine uh, there they are here in Wollongong, because you remember you haven't left Wollongong. Um, you're here, here for good. Um, how would that happen? That happens as you pass on the gospel of grace to them You teach them to teach their grandkids who will teach their kids. If we don't teach them, if we don't take it seriously, why would they take it seriously? Uh, Why would they think it's important? Uh, You might have heard this expression. What's taught in the first generation is assumed in the second generation, is forgotten in the third generation, is denied or opposed in the fourth generation. And so, isn't it interesting, we can even teach the gospel of grace to one generation, but if we don't teach them to love it, to defend it, to teach it to the next generation, in the third generation, you've lost the gospel. By the fourth generation, they're opposing the gospel. We haven't faithfully passed it on. And so, uh, think about the parents at Salt Church, think about if, if that's your direction one day... How, how critical is that role as a parent dis, um, discipling their kids to love and serve Jesus? That is an incredibly important role. Our world doesn't think that's an important role, but there is the most valuable thing you could be doing as a parent. Uh, if you're a parent, don't skimp on that. Uh, but can you also see how how critical our kids and youth ministry is? Um, I hope you've picked this up already uh, here at SALT, that we don't let anyone go and do kids' ministry. We don't let anyone go and do youth ministry. Um, You really need to be on your game if you're going to be at SALT Kids and be part of youth ministry. You need to be really, really clear on the gospel of grace. This is really, really important, that this gospel of grace gets passed on to the next generation, that they love, cherish it and then able to teach it to others. But if you notice too, we want to develop leaders who can teach the gospel of grace to others. Uh, How awesome would it be if another generation of missionaries, of church planters, of scripture teachers, of chaplains, of people following Jesus faithfully in the workplace, in jobs, in Wollongong, in uh, all kinds of places that you can't even dream of because it's two, three, four generations' time mums and dads and singles proclaiming the gospel because they've grown up in a church and in a family that is strong on the grace of Jesus. Is that your heart? And that, that's, that, that's where we want to be, isn't it? And here's, uh, I was speaking to a, a friend and he said, here's what he said to his church. Uh, if this is going to happen, uh, we're going to need to give to it. We're going to need to pray for it, for nothing happens without God. And we're going to need to stay for it. Uh, He put it really simply, uh, pay, pray, stay. The first two seem obvious. You you need the finance, you need to raise money, you need a building, all that kind of stuff. You need to pray for it. This is God's work, it's a spiritual work. But there's another component. Would you consider staying for it? To actually say, I want to be part of this long-term, generationally. Uh, I'm going to actually make a plan to stay in Wollongong for as long long as I possibly can so I can be part of SALT, so I can see this thing through to the next generation. Um, That's what I've committed to. Um, So, of course, God's got his plans, but I want to see this through. I want to see us get there. And so you see what Paul's saying? Teach children, teach the next generation, and get them to love, cherish the gospel and teach it to others. That's what it means to entrust them. Now, this is so much more important than our new home, isn't it? I hope you get that. This is about people and eternity. But you can see how a new home would greatly help that cause. Uh, If you're going to do kids ministry and youth ministry, you actually need space. Uh, I don't know whether you've turned up to 10am church recently, but there's so many limitations on what we're doing just because of our space. There's so many limitations. In fact, we're using the Bow Repairs uh, carport um, to do one of our our sections of ministry. We're using um, McCabe Park. It's not very pleasant when it's wintry, cold. We could go on with all that and still give thanks to God for 275. Um, But imagine a space where we've got room to grow and move for more families, more people, not just here at 5 p.m., but at 10am, uh, where we can actually say to people, um, come and we want to welcome you, love you, disciple you. And this is a safe place. This is a good place for your children and your youth to be. That would be awesome. But think further than that. Imagine uh, a place where you go, actually there are babies now in crèche, or babies not even born, who will benefit from this new home. But as I think about... Investing in this new home, giving myself, praying for it. It's actually not about me. It's not about us. It's about the future and the generations to come. Uh, if, if it gets more hostile for the next generation and the next generation, imagine a safe place where they can come and learn about the grace that's in Christ Jesus in a safe way. Ask their questions, invite their friends, have the space they need to do all of that in a world that doesn't want to know them, doesn't want to give them space, that would be awesome. And so, on one level, it's not about a building, it's not about a new home, it's about people, but that new home's going to greatly help those people, isn't it? Now, this will take sacrifice, so think with me now, as we think about uh, the third thing, are people willing to suffer and sacrifice for the gospel? So, uh, verse from verse... Uh, three join with me Paul says in suffering and he gives three images three occupations to get us to think about this Um, it will involve suffering it will involve giving things up for the gospel and Paul says let me explain it with three uh, images the soldier the athlete and the farmer so look at the soldier for a moment think about the soldier what do you think of Um, I reckon Paul's getting us to think about disciplined focus. That's what a soldier needs, disciplined focus. Verse 4, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. See, that's the nature of a soldier, isn't it? Um, They're they're on duty, Uh, they have a task, they mustn't think about Uh, civilian affairs, they can't have a part-time job, they can't dive in and give themselves to a hobby. Their life, their focus is as a soldier, they are on duty and what's what's the goal? To please their commanding officer. Now I reckon before you even think about new home and, and what that means for that, this is a really, really helpful image as we think about being a follower of Jesus. I find this image really, really helpful. Um, Just getting me to realise I signed up as a follower, as a soldier for Jesus. Uh, Jesus is my commanding officer, or more powerfully than that, Jesus enlisted me by his kindness and grace. Uh, I'm his, uh, what a privilege to serve under him. And it's particularly helpful when I feel the pull, the tug towards the civilian life uh, and look over there and go, oh, wouldn't that be awesome... Look at what everyone else is chasing. What is it? The paycheck, the postcode, the possessions, the prestige, the pleasure. When I feel the pull towards those things, and and sometimes when I'm really honest with myself, resent the fact, why can't I have that and be the soldier at the same time? This is really, really helpful. I'm a soldier under Jesus. It's even really helpful to think, this is why I'm different to my friends. I have different priorities and different focus. Uh, as they're thinking about uh, getting into the highest paying job, having the nicest possible house, having the greatest number of possessions to go in that house, uh, so people might admire them and they might have prestige and they might sit back and enjoy life and have have pleasure, I realised now that that's the civilian life. God's called me to something greater. I'm the soldier for Jesus. I'm different. Uh, When I signed up, I signed up to be Jesus' soldier. I signed up for his mission that when he calls, I will come, when he says go, I will go. And even at the end of my life, as I think, who is it that I'm trying to please? It's Jesus, isn't it? What are those words we want to hear at the end of our life? We Adam got us to think about it. Well done, good and faithful servant. In the end, who cares what what people say at our funeral? That's the thing that matters. And so I reckon the soldier image is super important, and even it even changes your view of duty. I reckon it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? What is how come you've got the the soldier who's on duty, uh, who has a duty towards his commanding officer, and then and yet we've we've got this idea of grace um, and not obligation. Like I said before we don't want to be a church that's um, uh, about obligation and duty. How do those two things? fit together I reckon they fit together when you realize that it's actually by grace that I'm called to be one of Jesus soldiers i would consider it a privilege to be on duty for him see if it wasn't for his kindness I by nature would be the rebel I'd by nature be the person who's his enemy now by grace he's called me to be on team with him And so grace actually means I've got the best commanding officer you could possibly have. I'm not the commanding officer. He is. I'm not living for myself. That's the civilian life. I'm the soldier. Well, it kind of does come into sharp focus when you think about that with new home, doesn't it? Because you realise it is okay if I don't live the civilian life. Uh, God wants us to do it cheerfully uh, and... um, you know uh with joy that we we make sacrifice um, but it may, it makes perfect sense that there'll be things as I give things up for new home that I'm not like the civilian. Uh, my civilian friends would think it's completely weird um, that I gave certain things up for new home, uh, but that's the what God's called me as a soldier so You know, It's completely normal that some of us will not take the holiday that we wanted to take or take less of a holiday or upgrade the car later or uh, delay or reduce the Renaults. Um, We are reducing our Renaults. Um, Natalie's super keen on us having an island bench in our kitchen. Uh, And there's tons of other things that need to happen in our house, but we're reducing it, reducing it, and I reckon we might just end up with an island bench. (laughs) Um, You you can find out in a couple of years when you come to our place and... See half a kitchen. Um, but yeah, it's got a whole lot of things, isn't it? Um, taking another shift or eating out less or not having that coffee or... We're just thinking as a soldier, not as a civilian, is, is what I think this is saying. And I, I need to be honest with you, I wouldn't be calling you to sacrifice for this if I didn't think uh, it was for our commanding officer and for his mission. I wouldn't be giving to it but I'm convinced that it is. Uh, What's the the second way we sacrifice? It's the obedience of the athlete. Have a look at the athlete. Uh, Verse 5, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Uh, So more quickly, uh, this is so different to the world, isn't it? The world says you can compete any way you want uh, to get to your vision, to get to your goal. It doesn't really matter how you get there. If you bend the rules... Uh, if you lie you cheat whatever works to get there do it Uh, but we're not doing that we're going to follow Jesus rules we're living for him and so that has very obvious implications for the new home isn't it we're not going to lie we're not going to cheat we're not going to take shortcuts and can I say don't do anything illegal (laughs) or dishonest uh, to give to new home Uh, we are living for Jesus Uh, we're, we're competing according to the rules and the last one is the farmer. I have a look at the image of the farmer. Verse 6, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. It's just that image that kingdom work, if you're going to be involved in kingdom work, gospel work, the, the gospel of grace being passed down to the generation, it will take hard work. Uh, there's no other way about it. Be the hard worker. So uh, just again, put New Home aside for a moment, Uh, writing Bible studies, following people up, caring for people, calling people, praying with people, giving yourself to people, setting up chairs, packing down chairs, setting up um, food and tea and coffee and meals, printing, praying, rejoicing, crying. It is all hard work. (laughs) Um, That's the nature of the the work. We are the hard-working farmers. And it will also take work To get to the new home, it won't come easy. Uh, That's the expectation but it's worth it for the Kingdom. So as as we think about that tonight and as we finish up and pray, I just want to let you know that uh, as I've thought about this campaign, it's been really interesting, uh, we're talking about a new home, we're projecting forward about what we'd like to see for the future but I think it's been really helpful, Uh, for us to think about who do we want to be as Salt Church and how am I going to be part of that? So it's those big, deep things of God and how I fit into them again. And I reckon this passage has been helpful, hasn't it? Uh, Because as we think about who we'd like to be, we want to be a church that's gripped by grace. We want to be that church. Um, as we think about the next generation and the next generation, we want to be a church that's saturated by the gospel of grace, that we love the fact that we're saved by grace. And we're so gripped um, that we want to sacrifice and suffer um, to be passing this gospel of grace on to the next generation so they might pass it on to the next generation. Who do we want to be? Uh, we want to be soldiers who gladly turn our back on the, civi- on the civilian life. Uh, we want to be athletes who compete according to the rules. And we want to be that hard-working farmer. We want to bend our backs because it's worth it. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Fathers, we sing again. We pray that you'd help us to rejoice, to remember that it's by grace that we are saved. Uh, That you, in your enormous kindness, have forgiven us, have set us on a new path, have invited us in uh, to your family. Uh, Father, thank you for the enormous privilege it is uh, to be a son, a daughter of yours. Uh, Father, as we think about the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, we pray that you'd find us faithful in passing this gospel of grace on that we might teach it and trust it to others, that they might teach and entrust it to the next generation. And Father, help us to count the cost of that, that that will mean suffering and sacrifice, that will mean giving things up. Uh, Lord, we pray we'd consider it joy, uh, that we'd be cheerful givers of ourselves, of our finances, of our energy, of our time. Um, And we pray, Lord, that you would provide that new home uh, where... Uh, Not only this generation, not only us can be part of the gospel of grace, but for many generations to come. Amen.